Microaggressions in the workplace have recently gotten a lot of attention. In this episode, we'll discuss the impact of microaggressions on the individual, team, and business, and how people managers can address microaggressions so the workplace culture is one where everyone can thrive. Our esteemed guest today is Audrey Crowley-Little. Audrey is the President and Principal Consultant with Atwater Martin, a managing consulting firm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She has extensive leadership experience in all components of human resources management, including compensation, rewards, performance management, talent management processes, HR compliance, people analytics, HR technology, and training. Audrey, welcome. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you, Tanya. I'm very happy to be with you today and I appreciate the invitation to join you on your podcast. Of course. Before we get started, I just want us, um, all of us, our listeners, all of us to be on the, the same kind of have common language when it comes to microaggressions, because it's a term that, you know, we've heard, it's thrown out there a lot. And so I just want to give a little definition of what microaggressions also um, actually are, and just a bit of background information. So microaggressions, the kind of official definition um, are brief and commonplace daily verbal or behavioral indignities, whether intentional or unintentional, that are hostile, that communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative slights or insults. And this term actually was coined by uh, Dr. Chester Pierce, who is a professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School uh, in the 1970s. And he coined it specifically to describe the verbal assaults um, and insults against Black people by non-Black people. Um, and so since that time, people have recognized that microaggressions happen beyond race. So the term has definitely uh, expanded um, to include sexuality, gender, ability, um, and, and, and more. Um, so I wanted to kind of give a bit of a historical per perspective of what we're talking about in microaggressions and kind of how it lands today. Um, so when we think about hostile, derogatory, negative slights um, that might be daily, whether they're intentional or unintentional, can you, Audrey, give us some examples of what those microaggressions look like when it comes to the workplace? Sure, Tanya. Um, one of the first things that typically would come to mind to um, a lot of people is um, asking a woman or minority to take notes during a meeting or to get coffee or refreshments, um, setting up the room while the majority is off networking with other people. Um, also, the other thing that typically comes up is that you assume that if there's a minority there, that they're in an administrative role or a lower level role than they actually are. But some of the more subtle things that happen on a regular basis are, um, for example, interrupting someone when they're talking, not allowing them to finish their point. Um, another thing is um, idea stealing or um, repackaging. So taking someone else's idea, changing it slightly, and then making it sound like it's theirs. And then the other thing is just outright disrespect. 
um, questioning your authority, um, making demeaning comments, um, questioning your abilities, even though you may be at a high level in the organization. And sometimes these things can happen outside. Um, for example, I can give you an example um, years ago with um, a gentleman that had called the company that I was working for, and he was trying to sell a service. Well, the, um, the call was transferred to me, and I sat there, I listened to what he was saying, and then when he finished, I made the comment, um, no, we would not be interested in that service. And so I ended the call. What he turned around and did was he called back. And then when he called back, he asked specifically for the president of a company. Well, when he got the president of the company on the call and he started explaining what he wanted and why he was calling, the president stopped him and said, um, hold on, you need to speak to someone else. Well, what he did was transfer the call back to me. <laughs> and so um, I immediately knew who it was and I let him go through the entire spill one more time. And then when he finished, I said, I'm the one you spoke to in the first place. Uh -huh. And the answer is still, no, we're not interested. And so tell me, how is that like a microaggression as opposed to just bad? Some, you know, some people will say that's a bad salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I think um, I took it that way because he probably figured out that I was a minority. Well, and definitely a female. Well, I'm well you know, plus the assumption. a female, right. Right, right, based on your <laughs> so voice. So he knew I was a female. Um, and he, so it could have been either way. Mm -hmm. and a mm -hmm. lot of times when these little things happen, I really don't know if it's because I'm a female or because I'm a minority. Well, and, and both, right? Because, you know, whole yes. intersectionality and different identities like that we all, you know, have. Um, you're right, like the the level of um, discrimination or maybe not even not discrimination, but um, disrespect. Shifts, yeah, disrespect. Depending on how people perceive you. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You know, and so something, one of the reasons I'm really excited to have you here, because when we do work with organizations, um, the example you just gave, actually, Audrey, I think is a really perfect one. And I asked the question intentionally, how do you know it's not just a bad you know, a bad salesperson, because microaggressions when they occur um, can be so slippery. It, it's the kind of thing you're like, wait, did that just happen? Wait, did yeah. that, is that because of how they're perceiving me? Would they do that to everybody? Like there's so much um, uncertainty and doubt that I think can, can happen to the person who's the target of it. Um, and even for people who watch it, they might not, recognize it um, as, as problematic. And so it becomes, I think, this thing in organizations where organizations are like, well, I, they, that, that, it was just unfortunate or that wasn't that big of a deal and it becomes really minimized. And so I'm curious your thoughts from um, an organization's perspective, how can they intervene? Because I, you know, that example, that was an external person to the, right? 
to the organization, mm-hmm. but when it happens internally or even externally, what are some things that organizations can do to say that behavior where you are treating people differently, where you're insulting people, where you're asking women to get coffee in the meeting or to take notes or where you walk in and you see somebody who is black and you assume that they're there to serve you, not that they're the CFO of the company. Right. How can organizations um, intervene and even prevent those, those situations? Well, there's various things that organizations can do to really be proactive in having these different situations happen. And one, of course, is, you know, put training programs in place um, that addresses um, DEI or microaggressions. Um, I think with the new training that is being rolled out now that microaggressions are becoming a part of the program, which I think is important because it's not as um, blatant sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, and you do, as you said, you do question, hmm, wonder where they were, you know, coming from. Training programs are excellent to help people become aware because Mm -hmm. sometimes they don't even understand or recognize what they're doing. You know, they're just being who they are, you know. Yes. Um, I've, I've made comments um, about certain people and said, well, their equal opportunity, um, you know, disrespectful. You know, it's, I don't say anything, but they treat everybody that way. Right. You know? And some people are that way. Um, and having like role play in a um, any type of training program is helpful as well. Um, something else that I strongly encourage for any people-related programs mm-hmm. are communication. You have to constantly communicate the, um, the, the programs and what they mean for the organization, uh, especially when it comes to developing the environment, the culture that you want in the organization. So I want to hear, I think, a little bit more about that, because I hear, you know, the importance of training programs in organizations really to increase awareness, right? Because Mm -hmm. if people, you know, especially if you are, if you're part of the majority, so white men in organizations who are part of the majority, if you're not experiencing microaggressions, it can be really hard to understand what it is to understand the impact that it has on the person. Um, the impact on the the workplace culture, like it can be really hard to understand something that you've never experienced. So I understand. So the training programs can really can really raise the awareness, right? But mm-hmm. then, Audrey, say more about the communicating the benefit to the workplace culture. What what do you mean by that? So when you think about all of the materials that are available to employees, just kind of reinforcing like respect. For instance, the employee handbook, um, it includes different sections for employees. You could have a section around behaviors 
you know, what good behavior looks like in the organization. Um, some organizations have an, another guidebook for people managers, you know, how they should approach different things, the, the process, you know, reinforcing respect and what that looks like as they go about their daily uh, jobs. Um, different programs, you know, just constantly when you communicate a new program, you know, talk about um, expectations that go along with that program, treating people respectfully. What does respectfully look like? Defining that. Because sometimes, you know, people use words and you read it and go, huh? Right. So right. Um, right. give examples of what that looked like. Because um, so, so people to make sure that people kind of understand, understand what you're saying. So, you know, I was taking notes because they were talking and the two things that really struck me, um, three really, is the employee handbook, a guidebook for people managers, and then operationalizing good behavior and respect. You know, when I think of um, employee handbooks and you mentioned good behavior, you know, there's a time when harassment, sexual harassment was not a part of it, right? Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden that is very clearly a part of it oh, because it is, it is illegal, it's a compliance issue. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, microaggressions are not illegal, um, but I, I am wondering, I really feel strongly actually, that there are lessons to be learned about how we deal with sexual harassment that we can mimic from microaggressions. And so I'm curious for the employee handbook from your HR expertise, what could be put in the handbook that would speak to microaggressions that could also hold people accountable for when they commit them? So you could have, um, there's a section typically in a handbook um, regarding you know, what's illegal and that type of thing that you mentioned. You can also have another section with um, called cultural norms or mm -hmm. um, uh, the environment that you're trying to build in the company and what's appropriate. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, one of the things that you could put in that section is to always be respectful of an individual um, at all times, uh, regardless of their sex or ethnicity or you know any of those other categories. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And you know what respect looks like. You know treating everybody the what's it? treat everybody the same. Uh -huh. um, but I hesitate when I say that because some people are just naturally rude. <laughs> and well, so, and to that uh, point, that would, I mean, depending on the kind of workplace culture you want, right, right, right. It's true. <laughs> you might not want that. <laughs> Whether they're, you know, it doesn't matter if they're rude to everybody. Do you want employees who are rude? <laughs> right, which really goes into the hiring yes. um, process. And, um, also, another thing that I didn't mention before was performance management and um, having behaviors or principles a part of the performance management process so that you're not only measuring 
what they do and you know setting those goals, but how they do it and identifying what those things are, you know, based on the culture and environment that the company is trying to build. So that is a way that you can have it become kind of part of the fabric of the organization. Um, it's part of your performance management system, those same principles and um, behaviors. That's how you hire people. When you interview them, you're going to include those type of interview questions to make sure that's someone that you want to bring into the organization. Um, you know, uh, rewards and recognition, you know, have that, those um, principles and behaviors a part of that program. You could have that interwoven in all of your people programs in the organization once they're identified. So this piece of performance management, I think is really critical when we're talking about microaggressions and addressing them in the workplace, because what you're saying, it's an, it's, it's an expansive way of, of kind of looking at the whole employee which is different than how work has been historically where you're yeah. just looking at basic KPIs. Did you do what you said you were gonna do? And if you did, you created a bonus. And if you didn't, you don't. Right. Um, but to your point, like the process and how you meet your goals and how you treat people along the way in meeting those goals. So if I'm understanding you, then one way we can address microaggressions from a systemic level in the workplace is making it part of performance management. Absolutely. And if you, when you think about performance management, it really covers um, several areas. It's setting of the goals. Um, you would also have a part that would be called um, behaviors or principles. Some companies call them competencies, but competencies also have kind of a negative connotation around it. So I like to use either the term principles or um, behaviors. Um, also career development should be a part of the performance management uh, process. And of course, feedback. And if when you set up the measurement on how overall how someone performed, you're going to take in consideration, yeah, what they did, but also how did they meet those uh, behaviors or principles that are important for the organization. And depending on how brave the organization is, they could have that weighted equally when they do an assessment. So what you do is as important, well, how you do it is just as important as mm -hmm. what you do. And it's spelled out so people know exactly what that means. So when you use it, um, like um, maybe effective leadership could be one of those things where you're going to spell out, what does effective leadership mean? Mm -hmm. And so that would be spelled out and it would give specific examples of what that looks like uh -huh. and examples of what it isn't. Uh -huh. So you can measure people uh, against that. 
some organization, they weight it 50-50 because I, it's so important. And I hear that, what you're saying about the brave part of it. Yeah. To be for if your workplace culture is that important. Yes. To weight it as equally important as the task work that needs to be completed. Absolutely. And so um, you're saying that microaggressions could be incorporated into this performance management by saying these are the behaviors we're observing to see if you are doing or not doing them. I, and, and microaggressions, not doing them. Right. And so would, would organizations and then also people managers, would they then define what a microaggression is, have the training so everybody understands it. Yeah. And then would they also define like um, examples of good behavior? So if I go back to your initial example of, you know, people entering the room um, and let's use women and somebody asking a woman to go get the coffee, somebody asking another woman to take notes. Um, in that example being used as a microaggression, a gender-based microaggression, for performance management, we would say that you are equally sharing um, administrative tasks, right, across all genders. Yes. So yes. That if you're asking Keisha one week, you're making sure that you're asking Mark the next week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And if you wanted to take that next step also is to include a 360 as part of that as well. Um, and also when you're doing the performance assessment, get input from different people and then ask for specific examples of how they met those particular behaviors or principles. It's not good enough to say, yeah, they did a good job. No, you have to say, what did they do to prove that they're doing a good job? So that's a lot more intensive. It is. It is. Um, one of the examples I like to give sometimes is um, someone who does an excellent job on the tasks that they're supposed to be performing, but they lead dead bodies. Say more. Yeah. You know, so if they're leaving dead bodies, that's going to to um, impact the organization because you know they're those dead bodies that they they leave. The good performers will walk out of the door, and then you'll be left with a lot of non-performing employees because you know they don't want to work around that person. So I just want to make sure I'm understanding because I've heard, I mean, this happens a lot. You have a quote unquote star employee, depending on what you define as a star, but they mm -hmm. execute tasks exceptionally, right? Mm -hmm. um, but internally, the way they talk to people, the way they treat people, the way they overlook people, the way they take other people's ideas, um, the way they may demean people, like all of the ways they behave um, really negatively impacts the team and the work environment. Yes. And so if that star performer keeps advancing and getting promoted and their bad behaviors are overlooked, then what you're saying is the other really good, possibly star performers leave the organization. So then you've left with the not right. the best talent. Right, right. And this one star person 
but then your workplace culture is a mess and yeah which then the cycle continues because <laughs> then great talent isn't going to want to go there absolutely right? absolutely and so in that I, I, you know, you, we talked about performance management and 360s, and I think all these really in-depth, thoughtful, time-consuming ways to positively impact workplace culture and develop talent, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I want to pull out the time-consuming ways because it's it's a reality of it, and so. I think I just want to hear from your perspective. How does that impact the bottom, the bottom line? Because if people are listening, thinking, you know, I want to have a great workplace culture. I don't want people to have to um, be um, subject to microaggressions. That's not what I want. But I'm listening to Tanya and Audrey, and this is a lot of time, and we've got work to do. So I don't know if we're going to be able to do all that. So I think help us understand the impact of the bottom line, good or bad, um, for for giving so much attention to making changes that make a better workplace? Well, yes, it does sound like a lot of work and I'm not gonna pretend that it's not. Um, most of that work takes place on the front end and developing that program and putting the right measures in place to support it. Um, once it's in place and it's communicated, employees are trained, they understand it, um, it be, really becomes part of the fabric of the organization. So it becomes second nature and they understand it. And the, going back to the communication and the training part, once they got it, they got it. And it's not going to take as much time. Um, but I will admit it takes time on the front end to get it right because um, you don't want to make a mistake with that. Um, the other part on how it can impact the organization is really around um, the organization being able to accomplish their strategies. So at the end of the day, I mean, the performance management program should be directly linked to the strategy of a company. That means all goals should link back to those right. strategies. Right. If you could have the best strategic plan ever, you know, bring in a lot of consultants, it's going to take a lot of time and money. Um, but, and this is what I tell clients all the time, you can have the best strategy in the world, but if you don't have the talent there to implement those strategies, you've just wasted a lot of time mm -hmm. on your strategy. Mm -hmm. And then the cost of not having the people in place to implement those strategies is lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you do not have a good culture or environment at your company and you do not bring in and retain the talent that you bring in, you're going to be, your bottom line is going to be impacted. So you just said a lot. And I think I really want to kind of amplify that 
if it's not a good workplace culture, good talent will leave. Yes. And that will significantly, we all know turnover takes time and money. Oh. It significantly impacts the bottom line. But so, so microaggressions are a huge contributor into why people leave. I mean, they did, oh, the yeah. New York Times did a study, I think it was the New York Times did a study of, you know, they found uh, black employees, especially I think black women didn't want to go back to the workplace in yes. terms of COVID and working remotely, wanted to continue working remotely because the microaggressions they were experiencing went down significantly because they were working remotely. So if, if your employees are saying, I don't want to come back because I don't want to deal with microaggressions anymore, I like my job, but I don't like the environment. Um, it's, it's telling, to your point, like there's a lot of money to be lost from organizations by not taking this seriously. Oh, absolutely. And it can impact other employees who may not be on the receiving end of those microaggressions because some people just don't want to work in that type of environment, you know, yeah. because it's extremely negative. So you're going to lose not only minorities, but you're going to lose some of the majority as well. Right. Right. And not lose people who are already there. But I'm also thinking, you know, we think of Generation Z and um, how many different generations are in the workforce right now um, and what people, what younger generations earlier in their career are looking for in a work environment. So you might not even attract some really great talent if Absolutely. there's a reputation of people aren't treated well here. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to go there. Yep. And with the um, availability of information and a lot of different sources now, um, it's very easy for people to dig up information on companies now True. to find out what the environment is there. True. You know, Audrey, when we think of, we talked a bit organizationally um, and systemically, and I'm thinking for, you know, people managers who are not involved in developing the company policy, what can they do if somebody on their team comes to them and says, I'm sick of Tom always asking me to go get the coffee in meetings, you know, if a woman comes and says this, um, but if somebody comes to them and identifies this microaggression happening at work, um, or every time I enter the building and security asks me as a black person for my badge, but when I'm but I watch, you know, white employees walk in <laughs> without asking, you know, for, for proof of ID. Um, so what can a people manager do in that situation? You know, um, people managers or, you know, leadership period is one of the biggest issues for organizations today. Um, what happens a lot is they take someone who's very good from a technical standpoint in their job. And as a reward, they promote them into a people manager role. And, you know, let's be honest, there's, you know, one or two things that could happen. Number one, not everybody should be a people manager. They're very good at being an individual contributor and you need to find a way to develop them to stay in that role. Yes. And then the other ones, they get promoted to people managers. They really want to do it, but they're not prepared 
to be people managers. They don't get the so, training and support. That's right. That's right. So um, making sure that they receive the training that they need to be effective people managers is very important. And actually, if someone is looking at that particular career path, the organization should start preparing them for those roles by training them ahead of time. Uh, one of the most important roles that a, pe a people manager um, has in an organization is to coach and prepare their team for excellence. And so they need to be prepared to um, handle um, issues as they come up, you know, uh, including microaggressions. So if that happens, that people manager should re uh, reach out to the, the person that has been accused of that and have a conversation, a coaching conversation with them as far as their behavior is concerned and the appropriate behavior for the company that um, the organization is looking for, the culture and the environment that you're building and to try to help them understand how to move forward, you know, is part of the role of a supervisor is to coach and to, to coach them. I'm sorry to interrupt. I love your use of the word coach um, and to, to coach them, to support them. Um, and even, you know, if you have an organization that has good behavior in the handbook, it's a great way to tie it in. Like, remember, this is in the handbook. This is, right. These are the behaviors we want to see. This is what we don't want to see. But to coach them and, um, you know, a lot of people committing microaggressions, they're often unintentional. They are not doing it intentionally. So bringing that as a people manager, bringing the awareness to that person and then coaching them to, to do it differently. I love that, that piece. Um, Cause it's really about taking direct action, not smoothing it over, not ignoring it, not hoping it goes away, but talking to the person, coaching the person who, who caused the action and then following up with them to ensure that, you know, the coaching is working. And then if I could also add to be very, very grateful to the person who brought it to your attention. Oh, absolutely. Because by the time it comes to your attention, it's happened more than one time. It's yeah. happened a lot. Um, yeah. And so to really, I think, be able to praise and thank the person for bringing it to you, mm -hmm. recognizing it takes courage on their end to do so. Um, and I would even take it a step further to extend um, definitely empathy and um when I say an apology, the people manager didn't do anything wrong to apologize for, but apologizing that it happened and that that yes. person on your team had to experience that. So as, as you're coaching the person who caused the action, that you're simultaneously caring for the person who was harmed. Because I think that's oh. sometimes overlooked. And the Absolutely. goal is that we're a team. We're working together. And so how you are massaging that, um, that connection when there is a disconnection because harm was done, but paying attention to that. Oh, you are absolutely correct. Um, you know, having that conversation with the person that was um, the recipient 
of the microaggression is important as well. So the people manager should speak to both people. And as you say, you know, with the one that was on the receiving end, you know, just tell them how sorry you are that it happened to them mm -hmm. and that, you know, we're going to do better as an organization yes. and to thank them for bringing it to your attention. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, have that tough conversation with the employer, uh, with the employee that was, uh, who committed the microaggression. You know, something about people management, and you're right, people are not, most usually are not adequately prepared, don't receive the training, don't receive the support. Mm -hmm. Being a people manager is, is hard. Yes. <laughs> I think it's tough. Um, I also think it's, there's incredible power and responsibility in the role that people often are unaware of, because like you said, they're promoted to this, they're excited as, as they should be, but the power to guide somebody's career, to make the workplace good for them, to help them execute their tasks and in a way that develops them and the team, which highlights the organization and benefits the organization, is an incredible responsibility. Um, and so I'm really just grateful for the, the kind of specific suggestions that you were, you were giving. Mm -hmm. Yes, it, it is. And I don't think um, people who want to be in a leadership role, a people leader, I don't think they fully understand what that means. You know, they're looking at the nice title, the pay increase, and then it happens. And it was like, I got to do that. <laughs> yes, it's part of a leader's job. <laughs> you know, so they're kind of uh, deer in a headlight for a while. I can't believe I got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I... I agree. And I'll put myself in that. Uh, definitely you don't fully understand what it is until, until you're in it. Right. Right. And it definitely. takes, I worked for an organization years ago that we had to, which I think is a great practice. Um, if you were interested in being a people manager in the organization, you had to go through training mm -hmm. before you could even bid on a people manager role. And That's you had great. to pass that, that, that training. And one of the things that they preached was actually one of the words that you used, which was courage, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it takes a lot of courage to be a leader. Uh -huh. I was thinking about microaggressions in the workplace and as a people manager, what to do if somebody on your team comes and tells you this happened to them. We as people managers are not immune from committing microaggressions ourselves. Oh, no. We, we have our own biases. Um, as a black woman, I, I have biases. There are microaggressions that I commit. And so I wanted to say that because they're unintentional which means yeah. it's because it's out of our awareness. Um, and when it's brought into our awareness, we need to change it and do something differently. And so as a people manager, there will be times when you cause harm 
and commit, commit a microaggression. And I'll tell you, hearing about it, of course, doesn't doesn't feel good to know you hurt, caused harm to somebody else. Yeah. But I want to. I think I want people to hear. If somebody on your team tells you that you committed a microaggression, they have they have a lot of trust in you. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of trust that you are going to hear this feedback. They trust that you are going to do something differently. They trust that you are not going to punish them right for speaking up and telling the truth so when your feelings get hurt and you want to get defensive i want i also want you to remember it's because there's trust there you've cultivated an environment where people can give you that feedback and then as the manager it's important it's just as important to thank them to apologize that you did that um to say what you're going to do differently so that you don't do it again Um, Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to make sure we put that piece in there that, you know, being promoted does not make us immune from human behavior. (laughs) Absolutely not. And I, you know, myself, I've been guilty accidentally of of the the same thing. And usually it's like later in the day when I thought about like the day and I'm going, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And so I immediately, you know, the next day, if it was early in the day, reached out to the person and said, look, I realized I did, you know, one, two, three, and I want to apologize. Um, I was not having a really good day. (laughs) And, um, you know, not to make excuses, but sometimes you react Mm -hmm. when, you know, something happens and you don't react in the right way. Right. And I always say, you know, just do a full stop apology. I am yeah. so sorry I did X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm really sorry. I'm yeah. gonna, this is what I'm going to do to make sure I don't do it again. And yeah. I appreciate you giving the example of, you know, I give the example of when somebody comes to us as a people manager and tells us harm we've caused. You give the example of being in management and realizing that you caused harm. And not addressing it in the moment, because again, we're human. We often don't process this all at the same time. And to go back after the fact, again, is still so incredibly powerful um, to go back the next day and say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it that way. Um, So again, the courage, the humility of being a people manager, um, in addressing microaggressions and making a good workplace for everybody. Are there any questions or I'm sorry, takeaways or kind of last minute thoughts you want to leave with our listeners? Well, what I would leave is really um, two words. Mm. um, And that is be intentional and um, addressing microaggressions in the organization, you know, be intentional in, of respecting and, and treating everyone with respect at all times, you know, be intentional on a, appreciating and respecting the knowledge and experience that everybody brings because you will end up with better outcomes as a people manager, you have to be intentional in treating everybody the same, you know, down to making sure that work assignments are equitable 
recognition is equitable. Um, I remember I was um, working with a leader years ago that she was, um, we were putting a team together. And so um, when I met with her, she, you know, threw out a lot of names on, you know, people who she thought that would be good on this particular team. And then when she finished, she said, okay, let's go down the list because I wanna make sure we have a diverse team. So she intentionally had me go through every name that she had thrown out. And if she recognized any gaps, she's going, oh, you know, we need to do X. So she would make sure that they were a member of that team, um, which I thought was a great example. And this was many years ago mm-hmm. before DEI even became that big of a place. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. And but the company I was working for at the time, um, that was kind of part of the principles of the organization. It was part of the culture. So she kept it, you know, top of mind, even as, you know, one of the top executives of a company, you know, she wanted to be very intentional in making sure we had a a diverse team. And um, probably the, the last thing besides being intentional that I think is also very important is to listen. You know, sometimes we don't, we don't stop and listen to what someone is, is saying. And that's important. If, if you're a people manager and someone comes to you with, with a um, issue or problem that's happening in their work life, um, listen to them because they're coming to you because they trust you. And you have mentioned the word trust. Uh-huh. which is really a gift. It is. It yeah. is. It doesn't always feel like it. <laughs> but the but, reality, it is. When somebody is willing to be um, vulnerable and transparent with you and take a risk, yeah. it is. It, it truly is a gift. Yeah. And um, someone told me many years ago that feedback is a gift. Agreed. So always, you know, accept it with a smile and listen. Yes. <laughs> Audrey, thank you so much for your expertise and time and um, thoughtfulness. I think about ways that organizations and people managers can really address microaggressions to make it better for the employee and and better for the entire work environment, right? Um, So I'm just really grateful for all that you shared with us. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to come and talk to you today. Um, and, um, I've enjoyed our discussion and hopefully one day we'll do it again. I love it. Thank you so much, Audrey. (laughs) Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Managing Well podcast. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to learn more about today's topic, go to www.theladipogroup.com slash podcast for a worksheet on today's episode.